you will. We're going to get back here. Uh, I know it's the first Sunday of the year, but we do what we normally do, and we'll study here. Uh, we're back now down in the verse. We're going to clean up verse 13 and hope to get into verse 14. And I say hope because that's what the hope is. Uh, so let's start reading just for context. Uh, we'll start in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And again, just kind of to remind ourselves where we're at here, because I know you party hard all week. I've been sick all week, so it's been a, a long week. Um, but the, uh, what Paul is doing here in rebuking the Corinthians uh, for valuing human viewpoint, for leaving God's wisdom and going towards man's wisdom. And, and again, he starts, he's pulling a contrast in the form of his rebuke. It's in a contrast. So he's going to contrast human wisdom. That's verse 9. The ear gate, the eye gate, and the heart gate. Those are the three areas that the spirit of this world operates in, that the wisdom of men operate in, that verse 13 where he says, which things also we speak not with the words which man's wisdom, the words of man's wisdom sit in those three areas. The eye gate, I got to see it, I got to touch it, my senses. The ear gate. Uh, I've got to be told, uh, second-hand knowledge, I'm, I, I believe this because grandma believed it. I believe this because my church teaches it. So I'm dependent upon second-hand information. Then the heart, that's the intuition. That's, it's it's got to move me. i got to feel it. If I don't feel it, then it ain't true, you know. And it's that emotion, that, that intuition of humanity. And what Paul's doing here is no one can get to a higher level of spiritual enlightenment, spiritual understanding, spiritual anything via these three avenues. And that's what he's demonstrating, okay, to the Corinthians, to you and I today, and, and really the church at large. When you look around the church at large, they operate in these three gates, the ear gate, the eye gate, and the heart gate. That's where they operate. They're, they're, they do not operate on the wisdom of God. They don't. Why, how do you know? Well, because it's a lot of feelings. It's a lot of this. It's a lot of that. And when we get down in verse 15 and 16, and we talk about the spiritual man and how to identify true spirituality, you begin to see where, Paul, where Scripture says one thing and the church is over here in something else. Okay? And the Corinthians, as they're gravitating towards the, these three avenues of, of trying to figure God out, trying to find God, trying to get an answer, trying to get a meaning or whatever, Paul is reminding them that it is dangerous 
because they're not moving forward in their edification process. And we'll see that as we look here at verse 13 in that issue of comparing spiritual things with spiritual and what Paul's doing. In verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? So we're talking about the spirit of man. We're talking about, and and I'm doing this because it's going to be important to have this in, in our understanding as we move forward through the rest, the end of this chapter about the spirit issue here. Because there's a spirit which is of God. That's not a spooky, hoaxy, ghost, hoodly do thing. Okay? It's not the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit the moment you're saved. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There is a spirit which is of man. We understand that. It's how we communicate. It's how we think. How does man think? We all understand that, that the world out there thinks in Romans 1 mentality. We know that. We know that they think in Romans 2, in the first part of 3. We understand that. So the spirit of man, that frame of reference that we, hold, we all hold together in commonality, in common. We all think the same way. We're, we are all thinking the same thing, just nobody's brave enough to say it until somebody says it and then everybody piles on. We understand that. That's verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, human viewpoint. We haven't received the spirit of man. That's how we can all communicate. That, that's also a component part of the spirit of the world. But what have we received? We've received the spirit which is of God. There's a divine viewpoint. Okay, And again, it's not an invisible ghostly thing or a spooky thing. What Paul's doing is he's contrasting that just as the world system is driven by the spirit of man, okay, just as it's driven by wisdom, a way that mankind thinks, which, by the way, is driven by the course of this world, the satanic policy of evil, just as the world thinks a certain way, and you understand that. Just look at the world a little bit. We've all been in it. Paul will tell the Corinthians a little later, such were some of you. <laughs> you were that. Now you're this, see. Just as the world has a system, a way of thinking, God has given to the believer a spirit which is a new way of thinking, all right? And that spirit which is of God, we now can value things from a, we can now have a divine viewpoint. In verse 16, when he says that we have the mind of Christ, I know what everybody here does, we, well, we have the Bible, blah, blah. No, this is deeper than that, that excuse. See, we, we like to have excuses to where we won't, to get us off the hook when we're not thinking properly. And we say, well, I have my fleshly mind and I have my... You're not to think that way, see. That's what Romans 6, 7, 8 has taught you. Your relationship to, to your old man is dead. It's death. And that's what Paul's doing here, the Corinthians. So when he's, by the way, when he says in verse 16 that we have the mind of Christ, yes, we do have the word of God and that is the mind of Christ, but we literally have a new way of thinking, a divine perspective. 
a perspective in where I can share with God, I can think like God, I can evaluate, I can view, I can assess life the way God does. How would God view my, in my life, where I'm at right now, how would God view that? How would God react to this situation that's in my life? How would he react to it? Graciously, kindly, lovingly, firmly when needed, see? See, you can take the viewpoint that that we learn from Scripture about who we are in Christ, and you can lay it over there, and you can apply it to the details of life. What is God's view on suffering? It's cold today. It's going to rain. It's going to... How's God's view on it? It's just for a moment, turkey. Get over it. Deal with it. What's your problem? Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. Toughen up. Why? It's not worthy to be compared with what? The glory. That's, it's uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, okay, and 18. You see? It's, you're worried about something here that is not even compared. You can't even put it in the same category, on the same scale as the glory that's yours. What are you looking at this for when you ought to be set your affections on things above? See, that's God's viewpoint, but you can have the same viewpoint. Now, do you got to go through the trouble? Through this? Yes, but you don't have to go through it defeated. That's what Romans 8, 37's told you, more than conquerors. Your, your life isn't the problem. Life isn't the enemy. See? So what, what, and that's what Paul's doing here, and that's the spirit which is of God. We now can view things from a divine perspective. And that's the thing that God has provided to the believer. And that's why Paul is contrasting here the spirit of the world and the spirit which we have of God. The way the world thinks and the way the God would have us to think. He's drawing this contrast because the Corinthians are over here messing in the wrong area of thought. They're not thinking properly. And they're off now, and we've got problems. They're chasing human wisdom. They're moving, see. And the only way to find God, and the only way to have... The the Corinthians are trying to find spiritual meaning and understanding and answers in something that is not going to give it to them. The only way to find that is to come over here and have the divine perspective. Okay? Now, we can pray and go have coffee and enjoy the morning. No, 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 no you can't. Sorry, okay? <laughs> and that's the spiritual things. The way, 2.13, which things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Ghost teach. We looked at that part last time. How does the Holy Ghost ministry work today? He uses words. Okay? He's operating in the, he's operating in the realm of words. The wisdom of man operates in the realm of words. There's words that man's wisdom uses. Earlier in chapter 1, we saw that wisdom of words, verse 17. See, Now the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God is going to work in words. And there's a direct connection between the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit and some specific words that, he, that, was, that God has spoken, that then was written down and has been made available to all, the believe, all believers. Actually, it's been made, made available to all of man. 
okay? And those words are the things that are revealing the deep things of God. Back up in verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. How? How has He revealed it to us by His Spirit? Not by an inner feeling or an inner thought. See, that's the heart stuff. Back up in verse 9. What? He wrote them down on some words. Inspiration. We, we looked at it there. That issue of inspiration. Come over to John 6. Just kind of trying to get our mind back here. John 6. Helps to get John. John 6 and verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That issue of inspiration, God spoke them, but when God spoke them, he put life in those words. That's what 2 Timothy 3.16 is telling us. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You see, he spoke the word. He tells Isaiah, write it down. He tells Paul, write it down. Ephesians 3, wherefore I wrote a four and a few words, whereby when ye read, see? So when you come back to 2 Corinthians 2 here, the, the words, that's where the Holy Spirit's working today, is in his words. The words are profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for, for reproof, for correction. Do you know how God corrects you? He doesn't smack you upside the back of the head. He probably would like to. But in the age of grace, how does he do it? He does it through his word. When you take in the verses and you allow the verses to be the final authority and be what adjusts, adjusts your thinking, that's what he's after. Then he says at the end of that verse, comparing spiritual things with spiritual and this is the issue that we're going to look at for probably a bulk of it and catch verse 14 on the way out, hopefully. Because when you think about comparing spiritual things with spiritual, he doesn't say spiritual things with spiritual things. See? He says spiritual things with spiritual. Spiritual. The mindset. The divine perspective. The spirit which is of God. Verse 15, he that is spiritual does what? judgeth all things. The mindset, see, Galatians 6, just look real quick, Galatians 6, kind of preaching next week's message a little bit, but Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. See, Ye which are spiritual. Well, what does that mean in the context? Verse 8. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life. See, if I'm sowing to the Spirit, if I'm putting the Word of God, if I'm spiritually minded, paying attention to the Word and getting the Word into my inner man and letting the Word be what directs my thinking, not my feelings, not my ears, not my eyes, not, not me, but the Word. Go back to 2 Corinthians 2.13. Then what can I do? I can have a spiritual mindset, not a holier-than-thou thing. So you've got to get away from what religion and what all the critics call us. You guys think you're holier-than-thou, better than us. No, it's not that at all. You know what? When people say that, you know what? They're, they're, they're insecure is what they are. Because they truly don't understand the grace of God. 
Because the grace of God says that while you were sinners, I died for you. So what do we understand? We were never good to begin with. See, We understand we have faults. We come into the room with our faults. We just also understand that there's an identity over here that we're to attain to and live to. The thing, as comparing spiritual things with spirit, the, the key, one of the com- key hinges in this is that word compare, okay? And the comparing, is, we have to look at that. So go back to Romans 8. I said it just a minute ago. Well, you know what? Go back to Isaiah 6, uh, 46. And let's get the idea of what it is to compare, okay? Isaiah 46. And when you think about the word compare, notice Isaiah 46, verse 5. Now, the, Jehovah is talking. He's, there, he's comparing himself, if you will, with the, the gods, the little g's, the idols. Verse 5, to whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be, what, like? You see, the issue of comparing is the issue of we're looking for equality. We're looking for comparison. We're looking for resemblance, not a compare in a, apples and oranges, but we're looking at all the oranges and seeing what matches. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about wisdom. We're talking about thinking. Does the man's wisdom match God's wisdom? See, So there's a comparing here. There, there's, we're we're going to discriminate with, with some attention. We're, think, about, think about the scales of old, you know, the, the you know, and you put, a, you put a weight on one. We, we need a pound of uh, pecans on this side. And we, so we put the pound of pecans on one side, and it goes like this. But how do we know this is a pound? We have a standard that does what? Says it's a pound. We are, what are we doing? We are comparing. We're making it equal. We need a standard that's going to say, This is a pound, and then this equals a pound. You follow that? So what is our standard? The wisdom of God. God's word rightly divided. That's the standard. So then when we put stuff on, what are we trying to do? Is it equal? We're comparing spiritual things. God's word. The the deep things of God. We're going to look at them in just a second here. And then we're bringing spiritual, our mindset, are they equal? The standard is set, and we're trying to balance it out. And who's doing, who's working with us is the Holy Spirit. He's going to use 213 specific words that are communicating the deep things of God, that the deep things, that system of revealed truth. The hidden wisdom, verse chapter, verse 7. So when we're looking for equality of what God is expecting for us, he's expecting us to utilize the way of thinking that he's given to us. 
so that we can have a we can have a balance in our thinking. So our thinking is in balance with his thinking. I hope you catch this. Because he's not, by the way, the natural man in verse 14 isn't the lost man. Bust your bubble right there. The natural man in the verse, in the context, is a believer acting like a lost man. Because that's who the Corinthians are. They're saints. We've already established that. Paul's not talking about justification. He's talking about sanctification, walk, the way we live our lives here. You see, the idea here is the objective of of spiritual growth, of a spiritual mindset, is when the believer is operating at that perfect balance of equilibrium, where here's what God thinks, and here's the believer, and as he thinks and works through it. And what we are to do is we are to maintain an equilibrium here. God's word set. The weight is set. The standard is set. Now what do we put on there? So if we put human wisdom over here, there's no balance. Or the other way, say, whichever way, say, there's, what do we do? We're going to balance that out. So we're going to remove and put on, we're going to put off. And we're going to put on Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Here's what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do. And he's using words to do it. Ephesians 4, verse 23. Ephesians 4, 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what the Holy Spirit's seeking to do. He's renewing what? Your thinking. The spirit, though, the thought process, how you think about it, how you perceive your frame of reference, your viewpoint. You look around. I mean, take the politics. It's 2024. Politics is on. There is a certain spirit within politics, isn't there? You can see it. You can smell it. You can taste it. Okay? Okay? Well, that's the idea of spirit here, the mindset. The fe- Here's what the spirit of your mind. The Holy Spirit is seeking to arrive at a point, for you to arrive at a point in your life of what is operating in the realm of your inner man, your thinking, your understanding. As you begin to develop a, a a, a, fr- a frame of reference that God himself possesses. He's seeking to produce a resemblance of, come over to 2 Corinthians 3. He's seeking to produce a, a resemblance of his thinking in your thinking. You see? And so what happens is, is here you are, you've got God's wisdom, 2 Corinthians 3. You've got God's wisdom, And then you pour on your human wisdom, and there's no balance. Everything's out of whack. And you're like, man, what in the world is going on? Well, it it isn't him. It's it's you. So what do I got? I got to get in. I got to pull off. I got to put on. I got to get that imbalance. But what's the standard? The word of God. The words the Holy Spirit is using. The resemblance of his thinking in your thinking, in your, a resemblance of his life living out in your life. Now, you, we're all different people in here. 
I respond completely different than you respond to whatever. But I can respond in a godly manner just as you can respond in a godly manner. See, When he says to be honest with all men, that's, that's across the board. See, So honesty, ha- that, okay, there, when he says lie not one to another, well, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Those are, but those are lifestyles, though. See, I'm only going to tell the truth when it's to my benefit. That's human wisdom. That's not divine wisdom. Divine wisdom is I'm going to tell the truth all the time. 2 Corinthians 3, look at verse 17. Now the Lord, that is, I'm sorry, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay? Now think about that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, life, freedom. Verse 18, but we all with open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now look at that. That is not waiting for the rapture. That's what the preachers preach it as. When you look in an open face Behold, as in the glass, you're looking in a mirror is what you're looking into. When you look in a mirror, why, why did you look in the mirror this morning? To get re- to shave? <laughs> to get ready for the day. I appreciate it, by the way. Thank you. Okay. You're, you're prepared, aren't you? You're preparing. You're getting yourself ready. Paul, Paul uses this analogy so that what we should be doing what? Prepare, getting ready for the glory that's coming. And when we're in glory, what's going to happen? We're going to put on him, his life, his glory going to shine out. But we have it right now. See, 3, 17 and 18 is now. It isn't the future. The future we're going to do. That's Romans 8. We'll get over there in a little bit. But right now, the same image. You see, what the Holy Spirit is consumed with is having your life resemble the life of the living God. Having your life look like who you are in Christ. Having your life, the same image, verse 18, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. The Holy Spirit, His ministry, using specific words, with the goal of changing your thinking, changing your frame of reference to be in balance with his thinking. And you know what? The Corinthians aren't doing it. They're doing something else. You and I, we get off doing something else. See. So when we come back to chapter 2 and verse 13, the issue of compare, that's what we we're talking about. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The issue of compare, to be in balance, to, to, to be equal with. Here's the weight, the, the standard, the word of God, rightly divided. And here's our thinking, and they're to be in balance 
be equal with who we really are. And that's important to grasp what Paul's doing here in 1 Corinthians 2. He's contrasting human wisdom with God's wisdom. Human words with, man, with God's word. They're not the same. They're never in balance. You can't get anywhere in your edification process in human wisdom. And what the Spirit is doing is he's, he's working. He's, he's, his goal is to bring all of that into balance. By the way, if you're not in balance, you're going to have to get over there. You're going to have to do In 2 Timothy 2, Paul talks about that they rescue themselves from the snare of the devil. See, you've got to want to do it. You've got to want to move. Now, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, the spiritual things. Well, they start in verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the spiritual things are identified as the deep things of God that's being now revealed by his Spirit, the, those things 2-7, the hidden wisdom that Paul says, Corinthians, I want to tell you, I'd love to tell you, but I can't because you're not ready, you're not able. See? So the spiritual things, they're going to compare the deep things of God. Then in verse 2, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 12, but the Spirit which is of God that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. So the spiritual things is that issue of the, the Spirit which is of God, that, that frame of reference, that spiritual mindset that we're to have. So the spiritual things are the deep things of God, that he's making known, and that mindset. I'm going to take these two now and put them together. And they need to compare, they need to be in balance. Again, verse 15, spiritual, but he that is spiritual is talking about a, spirit, a spiritual mindset. I have a standard that I use to prioritize my life. I have a standard, God's word rightly divided, that I use to assess and to evaluate what's going on in my life. And I'm comparing those things, the deep things, the things of the spirit, with the spirit of my mind. And I'm, I'm bringing that into balance. And when the word says A, and I'm on D, and I need to be on A, I move to A. I don't drag the word to D. The standard never changes. Okay? I'm right here. Now, the question is, comes up, why is Paul bringing all this up? Why not just say, you're wrong, and smack them and go? Well, because he has already taught this in Romans. Come back to Romans chapter 8. This is not new information. Romans chapter 8. He has already taught this issue of spiritual things and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, Romans 8 is the first place where he mentions and talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. 
verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Okay? Now, you see the things of the Spirit? There's 1 Corinthians 2.10. Okay? So what he's doing in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, which where he says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Okay? Verse 12 there, the things that are freely given to us of God. So in, in 1 Corinthians, he's reaching back to Romans 8 and bringing in the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the things of the Spirit in verse 5 are the things of the, that, that, the, that the, the Spirit, spiritually minded, are going to grab onto in verse 6. That's going to produce life and peace. See, he's already taught this. As we went through Romans 8, I walked you through this. See, that's, why, that's by the way, that's why we spent a lot of time in Romans 6, 7, and 8, because it's identity. This is who you are. And, as, and what, what, what the, the comparing spiritual things with spiritual has everything to do with evaluating that, that system of truth that the Holy Spirit is revealing and then, a, and then adjusting and adopting to that truth into our thinking, see. And in verse 5, when he talks about the things of the Spirit, and then in verse 6, it's a spiritually minded, what am I minding? The things of the Spirit. Then what are those? Verse 2, 8-2. For the law of the Spirit of life. Now, by the way, law there is not Moses. you got to get off the always reading law thinking Moses in Old Testament. A law is, is a rule that governs. You understand that, okay? A, a, a law is that which governs, power to control, tendency to rule over. The law, the rule of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now think about verse 2. What are the thing, What does the spirit, what's the things of the spirit in verse 2? Life in who? In Christ Jesus. See that? And what is life in Christ Jesus going to produce? It's going to produce freedom from the law of sin and death. It's going to produce freedom from the law of sin. That's Romans 6. So go to Romans 6. You see, folks, when, when we talk about the spiritual things here, we're not talking about the ivory tower, the woo things. We're talking about things that simply are Romans 6, 7, and 8, your identity. Look at Romans 6. Look at verse 3. When he says in 8, 2, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, he fundamentally drags you right back to Romans 6 and Romans 7. Law of sin, that's Romans 6. And death, that's Romans 6, sorry. Okay? Fundamentally, he's taking you back in your understanding, in your identity. Look at 6.3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Okay, how were you baptized? Who baptized you into Jesus Christ? 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says the Holy Spirit did it. So here's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What does he do? He identifies you completely and totally in the death, burial, and resurrection of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He identifies you the mechanics of one baptism. Come back to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, so you read it, verse 13. You see, by default, by the way, in your identity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all working. Nobody's taking a day off. They're all there. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. How do do you get into the body of Christ? You get in through it by the working of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Baptism in Scripture means identification. You're identified. That's what the issue. Of, that's what the word baptism means. It doesn't mean water, because Matthew three's got three of them: water, fire, and Holy Ghost. So figure which one. Baptism means an, a means of identifying. Okay, Israel and their priesthood. They baptized the priest. They identified the priesthood by a a ceremony called water baptism. Do you know they never baptized anybody else? The eighth day when they went up and had circumcision, there was no baptism performed on the eighth day. You know who does that? Religion. Do you know when baptism was introduced as a form of identification for the people? John the Baptist did it and the Lord Jesus Christ in the earthly ministry as they began to form the little flock and get ready for the coming kingdom. Now, I know I just probably rocked your world a little bit, but you think about it and go study it, okay? I hope I didn't. You ought to know some of that. For by one spirit, go back to Romans 6. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So the things of the spirit have to do with the mechanics of being identified in his death. Verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. He killed you. (laughs) I kill you, you know. He killed you. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What does he do? He identifies the Holy Spirit, the things of the Spirit... He's working in your inner man. He's giving you an identity. Here's the standard. Here's the revealed truth. Here you are, and the Spirit is working to bring this mindset of your identity equal. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also Uh, We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. What's your identity tell you? You don't serve sin. Yeah, but. There's no but. Do you see a but in there? Verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. What is your relationship with sin now? It's dead. It's death. And something that's dead is something that's not alive. So here's the, that's the standard. The standard is verse 5, 6. The standard is Romans 6. Here your life is, and you're struggling with sin. You know why? Because you're not 
grounded in that identification issue. Does it mean you, you're perfect and you never sin? No, it doesn't say that. It just says that your sin should not have rule over you. Why? Because you're not under the law, which is the knowledge of sin. You're under grace. God's grace has set it so that you're liberated. So the things of the Spirit, chapter 8, verse 2, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death, brings you right back to Romans 6 saying, this is your identity, dummy. I'm sorry, perts, you know, believer. Operate. Think that way. So when I sin and I violate the Word of God, and I mess up, and my conscience says, you messed up, fall flat on your face and 1 John 1, 9 it. No. That's foolish. Plus, it'll hurt you when you fall on your face. What do you do? You say, hey, you know what? That is what sent my Savior to Calvary. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to adjust my thinking, and I'm going to bring my life in balance with who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm going to bring it in to that identity that I have. I'm going to bring it into the things of the Spirit. The Corinthians are not operating on the basis of their identity of Romans 6, 7, and 8. That's why in chapter 3, he calls them carnal. He calls them babes. That's why in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, I can't know anything save Christ crucified. I can only know Romans 1 to 5 with you. Why? Because you're not taking the next step. So what is their life? Here's the balance. Their life is all out of whack. Why? Because they're chasing human viewpoint. They're chasing human wisdom. They're after the eye gate, the ear gate, the heart gate. And Paul says, you'll never find what you're looking for in that mess. You need to get over here, and you need to get in where you're at. Now, you got go back to Romans 8. <clears throat> and look at verse 5, and then compare it with chapter 2, verse 10 again. Notice he says... In two and eight five, that uh, the 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 end end of the verse, the things of the spirit, and what does he say in two ten, the deep things of God. In Romans eight, we're learning just about the things of the spirit, which has to do with the accomplishments of Calvary. At Calvary, what did he accomplish for you? your justification, eternal life, but then also a new identification, a new identity. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is saying, I want to tell you about the deeper things, but I can't because you're not able. You're not ready. I want to move you forward. In Romans 8, we're just coming out of our this one to five, the accomplishments of Calvary, our justification, and we're learning about who we are, the things of the Spirit. He looked at the Corinthians. They should have already been through what? Romans 1 to 16 in their, in their understanding. 
they should be ready to move to the Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians level of information, the deep things. They're not ready. So, the con- so Romans 8, we're just learning about the things of the Spirit. But in 1 Corinthians 2, he wants to move them forward, and he can't because, well, 3.1, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Isn't that interesting? You guys don't have your life in balance. You're not spiritually minded. By the way, spiritually minded has nothing to do whether you go to church or not. It has nothing to do with how much money you give. Now, think about this. Somebody that says, I'm going to give 10% because Malachi 3 and blah, blah, blah. And, pe- and then, then there's another person that says, I'm just going to give 1%. And people will say, the 10% giver is more spiritual than the 1% guy. But the 1% guy is operating off of 2 Corinthians 9, a cheerful giver, a grace-giving mentality. Who's more spiritual, the 10%er or the 1%er? The 1%er, because he's operating on God's word to him today. That's why here's the standard, the word of God rightly divided, you see. And I know what, we, I know what people do. Oh, man, he's more... He, they, 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 boy, they're this and that. No, yes. Well, man, they're there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're real spiritual. Yeah, until we had a family here years ago. I, I don't even know where they're at. They said, we would like to have you come and visit. I'm like, okay, sure. So I get done driving my school bus. I get, I go and I go visit. As I'm walking up, she is yelling at him. I can hear him through the house. Just do this, do that, and you know, and he's doing, and then I go, quiet. The preacher's here. How you doing, preacher? Hey, Greg, come on in. And I'm like, you, yeah. And they had that spirit. Oh, we're whole, you know, that spirit. No, not at all. See, that's I. I know we got that idea. Oh, all right, it was Keith and Debbie. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, make him turn red. See? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, it wasn't them. I'm, I, okay, I got to liven you guys up a little bit here. But the, uh, you got to be careful. You'll end up in one of the sermons. The point is, being spiritual is is having your life in balance with who you are. So the deep things. By the way, he he does say there as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. And that's the deal. Because what's happening here? They're not, absor- they're not in balance. They're not comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here are the things of the Spirit, who I am in Christ, all the details, all the deep things. And here's my thinking And the Corinthians are not in line. They're out of whack. And Paul says, I can't move you forward. And if I tried to move you forward, I'd be violating the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to do that. And again, why does he even bring all this up? It's a rebuke. You should be ready to move forward. But you're not because you're carnally minded. That brings us to verse 14. 
the natural man. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural, again, usually what happens here when this verse gets used is it's used in the context of a lost person. Now, does a lost person have this condition? Yes. But that's not the context of what Paul is using the natural man. He's using the natural man in connection with 2.9. How does the world think? What's the spirit of the world? What's the wisdom of man? 2.9. The eye gate, the ear gate, the heart gate. We're going to get there on our own. You see, Paul, is it, Paul isn't saying, you got, if he was saying that the Corinthians lose their salvation, then we've got problems, big problems. They don't lose their salvation. This isn't about justification. This is about what? Sanctification. Their life, their walk is out of whack. So what Paul is demonstrating here is... Is it possible for a believer to live like, think like a lost person? Absolutely it is. And that's what he's demonstrating. A believer can think in the line of, of 2-9 all day long. If they couldn't, he wouldn't have brought it up. He wouldn't have been talking about it. We wouldn't have been on lesson 28 on this. So a believer can operate in the realm of the natural man. And what Paul, again, Paul isn't dealing with justification. You got to get that out. Of, you got to get it out, get that thought out. He's dealing with sanctification, living life, the walk as a believer. Hold on. Look over with me at Ephesians 4. This is very chilling to me. And this is something that I, this is what, Studying Ephesians years ago for myself, I came across Ephesians 4.17, and it stopped me in my tracks. Because look at what Paul says. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye, who's the ye? The church at Ephesus. All those people at Ephesus. Three years he worked there. All those people at Ephesus, ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. When I read verse 17, I stopped. Now, the rest of 17, 18, and 19, there's the spirit, the soul, and the body gone. You didn't learn that. You didn't learn that stuff from who, learning Romans 6, 7, and 8, who you are in Christ. He is talking to the megachurch at Ephesus, and there are people in Ephesus walking and living like the Gentiles. He never once said they lost their salvation. He never once said they lost their heavenly places. He never once said they're damned and on their way to hell. He said what? You didn't learn that from me. You didn't learn that from Christ. So what does he do say, by the way, verse 22, that ye put off. Verse 23, be renewed. And verse 24, put on the new. 
See, he doesn't go after them in their justification. He goes after them in their what? Their walk, their life. So in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, what's Paul doing? Hey, you guys are walking like the lost out there. And again, when you think about Corinth and where we're at and the society and the culture that they were in, they wanted all the, they wanted all the bells and whistles, and they wanted that lifestyle. So that's what they're doing. Again, you, have, you and I have to be on guard against walking like the Gentile, like the lost. Because what that does is it takes your life and it gets it out of balance. And when you get out of balance of who you are in Christ, now you can't spiritually discern. 2.14. Neither, uh, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The only way to truly understand the things of the Spirit, the deep things of the Spirit, is to have that spiritual mindset. That's what he's saying in verse 14. When you're out of balance, you ain't thinking. You got stinking thinking. You're messed up. You're emotional. You're all over the board. Then someone comes along and says, hey, you're all over the board. You need to get back over here. And you know what? They're the enemy. They're the bad guy. They're the dirty, rotten so-and-so. No, the verse says you need to get over here. You need to get back right. See? No, 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 no. I'm not that way. That's just you. That's, the way you're, that's your perception. No, it's pretty much what the book says. See? When we are spiritually minded, when we're operating in the rich, deep things of the Spirit, when we're operating in the, 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 the things of the Spirit, that's the only way to know what God's doing today. That, it's the only way. We have spiritual discernment. We'll pick up, that's why verse 15 says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. How in the world? Why? Because he's op, he's, everything's in balance. See? You never figure God out. You never figure the things of the Spirit out unless you have what? Spiritual discernment. How do I get that? I get the Word of God rightly divided as my standard, as my weight, and I come in and I make sure my life is in balance with it, with it. It's the standard. It's the goal. It's right all the time, 100%. When I agree, great. When I disagree, I'm at fault. I'm wrong. And many a time I've had to say that. And bring it in balance. That'll come when we approach the things the way God would have us approach it. That, co- that balance comes. By the way, how does he want us to approach him? By faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5. By the way, that passage we started up there in 2 Corinthians 4.18, the things that are seen are temporal 
the things that are not seen are eternal. If you're walking by sight, you're not a spiritually minded believer. If you're walking any way other than by faith, again, what's the formula of faith? Romans 4, God has to say something. I take what God says and I respond to it positively in obedience. Romans 4, Abraham there, God told Abraham, you're going to have a seed. He says, how in the world can that happen? I'm an old man. My wife is an old lady. That ain't going to happen. And, and he yet, he what? By faith, they had the baby, boy. Now, next time we'll hit 15 and 16, and we'll talk about how to identify the spiritually minded and how to make, how to make sure that we, we are, being, are on that course. None of this can be accomplished if we're in the legalism, the performance-based stuff. This is only accomplished when we walk in grace with ourselves first and then with each other as we learn to grow and, and function out. If we walk under a performance-based system, we might as well close the doors, sell the buildings, and stay home around the fire because it won't work. All it's going to gender is strife and frustration and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking. Grace comes in and says, hey, I did it all for you, and then just go be who you are. Relax and be who you are in Christ. But the comparing, the resemblance, is my life resembling his thinking and keep it in balance, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the instruction. As Paul deals with the Corinthians, we too then can take it into our thinking and measure it into our lives and to make sure that we are minding the things of the Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. All right.